It's a good show. It's 2.45 in the morning, and I am putting myself back on warning. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Get a little crystal burp out of the way before we start. Oh, we are pulling another all-nighter. We are hype after our last show in Atlanta. Fuck. So we're staying up all night and getting work done. Uh, we had just the most amazing crowd. Such a good crowd. So much fun. Thank you. Thank you for being the last of a very long tour that was uh, lots of great audiences, but we were trying out this new us on stage. It was uh, a, a little lo- bit tiring. Yeah, it was. It was a new thing, and so like every night was like a lot of work, and uh, we just felt bad after every performance. Like, oh, oh, there's so much. Are you playing Elliot Smith on your phone right now? <laughs> Come on! I was like, I swear to God, I hear some faint music we're gonna get our podcast taken down for copyright shit now wonderful uh anyway we were tired is hard and uh we weren't expecting as many people to come out we were just kind of thought this last show of the night or last show of the tour i mean and we're just gonna be like Ugh. and instead so many people came and they were all just huge fans, super nice to us, stroked our egos a ton, laughed super hard at all of our jokes. Uh, and we ran out of t-shirts. I don't remember how many t-shirts we brought, but I think it was like a lot. We brought a lot of t-shirts and we ran out before getting to Atlanta. It's been great. It's been a great tour. We've got very nice fans. Thank you very much. And uh, I got myself Crystal on the way home uh are you guys not familiar meth. with this not not meth no uh just you Crystal know with fool a K. me once fool me once it's these little tiny burgers like you're familiar with white castle but it's called a crystal and god i love it i love these little shitty burgers so much so i'm in a great happy place right now I'm doing wonderful you want to talk about drugs Let's talk about drugs. Okay. We, you know, we like to chronicle my uh, adventures in drug land. Don't you dare snap. Oh, my God. Anticlimactic. Starbucks <laughs> double shot. And that is Jess's saliva <laughs> slobbering down onto the microphone. It's 2.45 in the morning. Now we're now we're we are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we like to chronicle my adventures in drugs, and you know we we uh, did an episode of me on acid for the first time. I've checked in every time I've tried something new, and uh, I guess this isn't anything new for me. It, but I just I like finally I've take I've done a lot of acid. I've done acid several times. But yeah, I, we've been doing a lot of microdosing in the last year, but we haven't done a full hit since Sedona. We've done and even several. in Sedona, I I didn't get high like this. This was my first real acid trip, man. And oh my god, was it amazing! It was so cool. Tell us about it. Okay, first of all, uh. I got to see buildings breathe like buildings were just breathing like rising and falling like as if they were like expanding their lungs or something and they were just like different things like bubbling up I'd watched the I just was standing in the window watching uh, the sunset and seeing the car's headlights pass by and like the when a car's headlight would hit different buildings it would like change the entire landscape like all the whole buildings would physically react to the light that touched them and they would bend and move and I just watched watched uh everything looked like the uh, an akira uh is anime like their taillights were just like zooming around and like every single thing 
was just living and breathing, but all had this rainbow neon phosphorescent glow to it. Uh, it was amazing. At one point, I started watching a Ken Burns uh, Civil War documentary. <laughs> And they're like showing all these black and white photos of Civil War generals. But even the black and white photos were like this like cool uh, Lisa Frank style uh, (laughs) rainbow colored tint. It was uh, very beautiful. It was like living in a movie. It was like everywhere I looked, I was looking at something cool and awesome. And uh, I was just I was so happy about it. It was really cool. We didn't leave the hotel room. I don't think the entire time. Did no, we, we did it was, not. It was freezing ass in Minneapolis. Freezing ass outside is a day trip, also, right? Did it covered a lot? Of it time. covered like twenty four hours. I think we like we went and saw Captain Marvel and then came back and did acid. I don't know, but it was started. Afternoon. We started at around lunchtime and stayed up until lunchtime. Yep, it was very long. By the end of acid trips, I just get awful. Like, Jess, I think, could absolutely go to sleep. And I'm just, like, trying to mansplain the prestige. (laughs) I'm like, we open on a pile of top hats. (laughs) Now, this is is important. (laughs) Chris Nolan's uh, artistry. Oh, my God. Oh, you see, the 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 first frame of the movie is the whole movie. Oh, oh it's just brilliant. Oh, and I just I I went frame by frame uh, <laughs> director's commentary of the prestige at just nine in the morning. <laughs> it's like all the lights are on in our hotel. Jess has just got blood red eyes and she's ready to go to sleep. And I'm like, dude, she said she said. Today you mean it. Like <laughs> some days you don't mean it. Oh, fuck <laughs> the prestige, man. You do get wired where you usually are pretty sleepy um, before I'm sleepy. Yeah, my my like my go to mode is sleepy. Yeah, I'm usually sleepy. You're ready for a nap and shit, and it's uh, you smoke weed and it helps you sleep, and yep. then you do acid, and then once you come down from acid, you are just cracked out. Yeah, way most of our acid trips have ended with me just like sleeping next to you on a bed where you are very much awake for a long time. Or I you never like go to sleep. sleep. That's why we were like, we'll start super early in the day. Yeah. We'll start super early in the day. But as we soon as I really hit, as soon as I really like, I was like, wow, this is different than every other time I've tried acid. Uh, I did some more. It's like, I don't want yeah. this to end. I don't want this to end. Uh, I kept trying to get more acid and like, I was like, uh, I, I, I kept thinking about that. I was like, I do not want this to end. I want this to keep going. I remember I asked you at one point. I was like, Jessa, do we have we have no more acid left? And you were like, uh, we do have uh, some orange juice. And I looked at you and I said, hey, Jessa, tell someone who gives a shit. <laughs> I'm looking for acid, dumbass. And then I kept talking about the prestige for a minute. And then I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean orange juice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that trick. Well, because we did, uh, while peaking, take more, which is a thing I used to do. I The story of the super long acid trip where my future husband ended up taking off with my best friend and driving to Spokane was after he bought a sheet of acid and we were like, what happens if every time you peak, you just take more acid? And from what I've read on Reddit now which we didn't have back then, it, the acid would just be more and more diminishing returns. But that ha- that was not my experience. We were high on acid for a long days on days on days. We just kept, but I think we were having to take higher doses. I think like uh, we'd peak and then take a hit and then peak and then take two hits. And then because um, we had a sheet. It is really a miracle that I am not actually a lot of things make sense because a lot of the visuals that you were describing i'm like yeah that's how i see all the time all the energy and stuff i see it's probably because i've burned my brain with drugs also ecstasy 
or molly or mdma i look that up now and it's like you know do it three times a year you have to give your brain all this time to recover and i was just eating tabs of ecstasy out of a freezer bag like they were candy for days on days for a, like a solid six months of my life i was high on e multiple times a week damn you told you said that you guys did so much ecstasy you would crack your necks yeah, we would uh, again? we'd go to saunas or uh, we'd sit on the floor uh, like cross-legged and then have someone come up and yank your head so that your neck would snap and you'd get high again because there was just so much drugs in our muscles and in our bones and in our joints. We were so fucked up. We did so much ketamine. Uh, that well, six there was another there drugs. was another trick too that you told me that was like citrus stuff, and you were talking about like being a teenager and walking around with like orange, uh, like frozen orange juice concentrate, yep, and, just and just licking just it out, licking it because that helps the the whatever activation. Yeah, and I forgot that, and so when you said, uh, you know, we have orange juice, we have emergency. I was like, this idiot <laughs> i asked for acid and she's like planning breakfast i don't know i think what you is knew we were out of about? acid you were just like there's no way to keep this going or something yeah. and i was like i mean we have orange juice left. Anyway, did, it was just Who like it's a fuck <laughs> it was minutes later before i realized i was being an ass i was like oh hey sorry can we drink that orange juice now <laughs> my bad what were you gonna say about ketamine uh, just in that era where I was doing a lot of GHB, ketamine, whippets, like all those like club drugs or whatever. I, we were doing so much of it that I can't believe I did it. Like I think my brain makes a ton of serotonin. I think I um, my disposition is assisted by the fact that I, I think I make a ton of serotonin. I think that's... Um, and it's a miracle that it makes a ton of serotonin given the amount of MDMA I pumped into my system without knowing that you're supposed to take a break. Damn. Um, someone was, one of our fans was messaging me about ketamine and I was like, Oh, this sounds cool. I've been trying to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I will, uh, use Aaron's journey into never trying any of these drugs as an excuse to relive my early twenties. <laughs> I am pro psychedelic. I um, I have been microdosing intermittent uh, intermittently. Um, like last summer, I did it, or the summer before last, and then I took a long time off. And then this year, I've microdosed a tiny bit with acid. I'll do it like once or twice a month. Um, it helps so much with my vocabulary and joke writing and like sharpness of my mind. But I have primarily used the microdosing of the acid for the mental health stuff. Uh, a lot of the things that I have figured out about attachment and anxiety and subpersonalities and stuff, I have had while in it a hard time processing it with a with a like a uh, unattached perspective. And psychedelics are very helpful for me on that. I also like psychedelics for um, alien school stuff. It works the same as uh, meth stuff for me. I don't think I want to talk about that on our podcast. I think I might go on Karen and Rotowski's podcast and talk about talking to aliens. Yeah, man. This whole week we've been making fun of me for like getting high and calling my dad and I wanted to be like, yeah, okay, just in the next room calling the aliens though. <laughs> so, hmm. I was curious get... if it still worked. Mm, and it did? It did. That's cool. So, um, something called automatic writing where you just sit down and write and allow the message from the collective whatever your guides whatever you want to call it if you believe in that sort of thing obviously i was high so maybe i was just high but um the night that we did maybe i was just high uh, on my birthday we did this just sounds like we do a lot of drugs this is a catch-up for the last and six we months fucking do dog we did molly for my responsibly bro molly and acid i guess we candy flipped for my birthday in a i hotel. didn't know that that was a it's called candy called. flip when you do both yeah but we didn't do them both at the same time as candy flipping i think we when you're coming down from molly if you eat a little bit of acid the come down from molly is much better so that's what we did 
Candy flippies, you take them both at the same time. I think so, but it okay. might just be, yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm I gonna go- ask a candy striper if I see one. Do you on acid? Do you uh, are you? Do you find yourself more attractive? No, that is a you <laughs> thing. That is a you are very attracted to yourself on acid. I stay the fuck away from mirrors. No. I put well, makeup on before I do psychedelics just in case I have to see myself, but I hate it. In Sedona, you said do not look in mirrors. You were like, don't look at your phone. Don't get, don't look at a mirror. That was the advice you gave me. I don't think I've ever really been attracted to myself until this time. This, I'm just saying this, like when I really tripped. Yeah. I could not stop. The lighting in that room was really cool. That mirror, I really enjoyed myself every time I got up to pee. It was, it was cool. Both of those mirrors that I kept walking back and forth to, but like, uh, like I would look at myself and see that rainbow, those rainbow highlights on me, on my skin that looked so cool but it was just like it was fascinating to watch myself to just stare at my face and watch it change and watch it morph into a different face and then like come back like i could just like i felt so brave staring myself in the face and it was like this does this is awesome and then i just became more attractive and i was like maybe narcissist was tripping like and that's (laughs) That's why he stared at his own reflection for so long because I could have stared at it forever. My muscles looked amazing. Again, good lighting, but the acid as well. Like I could flex and watch my muscles grow cartoonishly large and then like fold back into itself. It was so fucking cool. I had, I was like, I remember being sad already. Like I told you several times, I'm like, oh my God, I feel so bad. That I'm never going to feel this attractive again. Like there, <laughs> tomorrow will come and I will not love this body as much as I do now. Oh my God. I feel bad that, that the world can't see how good I look in this mirror right now <laughs> with the, with the, the light from my razor charger. Uh, alo- like I looked so if this could be all of my Tinder profile pics for the rest of time, this would be perfect. Uh, but there's just no way to capture it. No way. I remember telling you about. <laughs> Uh, like, um, there's a thought that I had that's come up a few times. And like you said, that helps with some mental health stuff. Like, yeah, I usually process something. That's why I want to call my dad because I've processed something, but something came up in my head and that made me think about something. Uh, a friend had told me about body dysmorphia and it was just like this clue and I didn't want to forget it. I was like, this helps me make sense of certain things. And so I was like, hey, Jessa, uh, <laughs> like, don't let me forget. I might have body dysmorphia. <laughs> then I immediately felt so fucking dumb. I felt like <laughs> such a dumb bitch, just like high and day. Hey, j- hey, Jess, don't let me forget. I might have body dysmorphia. <laughs> Let me don't let me forget to look into that. I might I might have it. I don't really think that I have it, by the way. If everyone out there is like this guy knows he's hot. And I'm like, I do. When I'm on acid. <laughs> you know? Um, I thought it was funny while we were having like a serious uh conversation, um serious emotional conversation between us at one point, and then I was getting kind of vulnerable or something. And I remember just being like, oh, this is vulnerability uh, is hard a little bit. And then you grabbed my arm and stopped me. And I was like, oh, he can tell that being vulnerable is kind of difficult right now. And you said, I just need you to know that while you're talking, I just, there's just eyeballs slicing. <laughs> Into a million other eyeballs. Just like eyeballs coming out of eyeballs. And I was like, and uh, it doesn't even scare me. <laughs> So I feel like I just want you to know that I'm totally fine. That was really cool. Like every time I would close my eyes, I would just see crazy images. They're all like kind of repeating this kind of like uh, whatever it was. Yeah. Sometimes it was snakes and I hate snakes. I hate them. And that didn't even freak me out. It was just like, <laughs> but like mouths, eating mouths, stuff like that. Just like weird things that I had no control over. Just like playing in my head. And the whole time I'm talking, it, it was like, uh, you would listen to the words you would say and react to it. Like the shapes would change, but it yeah. wasn't anything very conscious, but it was like, uh, this other 
like form of media that I was watching. I don't know. It was really cool. It was awesome. Do you think that was the feeling that reality is not real and that acid takes you uh, to like the real the place? Veil? Or do you, did it feel like... Um, it felt like uh, I was altering my brain. That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like I was waking up out of a out of an, uh, a dream state and coming back to reality. It felt like, I don't know, just like fucking with the, the way my eyes and brain and stuff worked. And I was like, whoa, 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 Do you want to talk about DMT? Yeah. I would love to talk about DMT. Okay. You just did DMT for the very first time, right? I did it for the first and second time. Oh, shit. Oh, sorry. And Didn't know you were lapping me. Just like uh, that. We have some very cool fans that sent us yes, thank a you care very much. package. DMT. I think we talked about wanting to try it much like we uh, are talking about wanting to do ketamine. Um, and somebody was <laughs> just like... Waiting. <laughs> just waiting. Just um, waiting. Somebody said... Uh, you want some ketamine or you want some, uh, Calm down, Jessa. <laughs> the next thing you know, we won't be like, people will be stopping us after our shows with just, uh, so much ketamine that we can't, we don't have time to do. Like we have to go back to our hotel room and record podcasts. Okay. We can't fuck all of you. <laughs> oh man. We'll just take the ketamine. Thank you. So many things um are you still getting messages or something yeah you a little distracted yeah Jeez, keep it in your pants jess it's we are pants. on the clock all right um dmt much like the sensory deprivation tank i think i'm just never in my body i definitely when i did dmt i thought the visuals were cool and I definitely was somewhere else, but that part of it just felt very familiar for, to me. The being outside of your body part felt very familiar to me. The traveling to a different place all just felt like, yeah, I feel like all this right, all the time. Take us through what DMT is. There are people I'm sure don't uh, aren't familiar, aren't as cool as you. I, for one, was... Uh, Kind of a little baby. I didn't. Really, I tried it a little bit, but didn't get the full thing. And then I was too scared to try it again. I was like, "This sounds maybe too intense." It's the. It's a chemical that gets released in your brain before it, when you're born and when you die. It's the thing. A lot of people are talking about it right now. Like it's a traveling dimensions. A lot of people have described having the big blue ball of light experience that I talk about, but they had it on DMT. And so I mostly know it from Joe Rogan memes. Right. That's where I first heard about it. You ever tried DMT? I thought it was like a, a pesticide that killed bald eagles. It, um, <laughs> it, that's not what it is. No, that's DDT. I think so. That also might be a, a power wrestling move. I'm not sure. Ayahuasca is like a longer release version of it. It's a different experience, I think. And I would love to try that also. But DMT is very fast. It's like five minutes. And I can't even describe how cool it looks. You would love the visual part of it. It was this crazy symmetrical, like rolling thing and it, it was a consciousness like it had its own consciousness and the consciousness was communicating with me the second time I was in a rest stop bathroom which I have been trying to figure out ever since I just knew that I was standing in a rest stop bathroom even though nothing looked like a rest stop bathroom and I remember continuously asking this colorful symmetrical consciousness why am I in a rest stop bathroom? Why do I know that my I am currently in a rest stop bathroom somewhere? And I haven't figured out if that was a message. And I will later figure out what that means. Because I, around that same time, had a dream about driving off of a cliff. And then was driving tired 
a week later and recognized the spot where my car went off the road in the dream and knew that I needed to get a hotel. So oh, I'm like, shit. I was, I was just going to be like, maybe you needed to pee. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, it's not a uh, rest you know stop. You have dreams about like needing to pee. I do spend a lot of time in rest stop bathrooms. So She does. It's true. It felt like one day I'm going to be in that rest stop and know high alert for something or know that there's a clue or know something like that. But it was very interesting. The also the connection to my body when it's happening is weird because I'm definitely somewhere else, but I can hear my own breathing, but I'm listening to my breathing. Like it's uh, playing on a speaker in the room that I'm in the rest stop bathroom, I guess. Anyway, from my experience, just to give you my take of it, this all all takes place in just a few minutes. Yes, um, it's I'm very there fast. the whole time, and she's she's just uh, she lays back and takes takes off, blast off. What's it called? Blast off, I think, is what they were calling it. Yeah, so she blasts off, and then is just gone for a few minutes, and then has this weird story. It looks like. Uh, she's smoking crack at uh, like this. The I, I was scared of just like the the process the apparatus. You have to have like a blowtorch and a glass tube and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, huh? I'm just a poor Mormon boy. Not ready. So I did try it. I didn't really blast off. I just got this weird high. It was pretty trippy. I watched my arms change and then I just laid back. And I was like, no, no, no more for me today. Yeah. That's how I've been with all drugs. That's how I've you tried. are, yeah. Like, how long did it take me to before I finally had an acid trip that was like a real trip, you right. know? A, over a year. And uh, I like that. I like taking it, like taking it slow. That's your style. But then I was just like not in great places emotionally. I was too scared to do DMT under those circumstances. Like, ideally, for my first time, I would like to be very happy yeah untortured i yeah i think i cried my eyes out after the the second one i you did um yeah there was like a lot of like that rest stop bathroom the rest stop bathroom one like the trip itself was fine and then afterwards i was fine and then i remember i just started crying because there's a lot of emotional uh this is like during the snow globes time and i just started Uh, crying snow globes time the snow the good old snow globes time. So who could forget? And now, a word from our sponsors. Oh, that still feels so good to sell out. Feels great. How, I how don't does it, love how does it. it feel? Uh, I don't like it. You know, all I hear is cha-ching, cha-ching. Give me that big butcher box money. What's up? Hmm. <laughs> We started from the bottom. Now we are at Butcher Box. <laughs> oh, yeah. A delightful product. Wonderful delivery, I might add again. Uh, so recently on the most recent Sunday School episode that we did this up on our Patreon was about the book of Ether. And I talked about the greatest name in the book of Mormon. Do you Maury remember? Maury Morankai, no, hold on. Almost, you're so close. Moriankamer, Morankai, no. Mahanrai Moriankamer. Mahanrai Moriankamer of Multinui, and you will board his submarine vessel. Uh, anyway, we tell the story about this uh, this guy, and it's funny, it's good. And I got part of it wrong. A new oh. friend named Josie came up to me after the show in Cleveland. In Cleveland, and uh, she had served a mission in Italy, and so we got to speak bad Italian to each other. It was fun. But then she was like, "You missed something on the Mahanrai Moriankamer story." So you remember in the Book of Mormon, there's a character who is just called the brother of Jared. That's it. Right. He has a his he's Jared's not even the main character. This guy is the main character. He never gets a name. He's like the brother of Jared. And he's like God he like sees God's finger. Like that's how uh insanely holy this man was. And he never gets his name mentioned. He is only uh, identified as Jared's brother. And then one day, Joseph Smith just on his own just tells people what the brother of Jared's name is and it's 
Mahanrai Moriankamer. Exactly. So you, so these parents, there's somewhere there are parents that had two sons, and uh, they named one Mahanrai Moriankamer, <laughs> and the other one Jared. <laughs> And the uh, and like now suddenly also it did like make sense. They're like, okay, I guess now I get why we just called him brother of Jared the whole time <laughs> because this is fucking long to write. We're not gonna carve yeah. that into each plate, you know. Uh, so I told the story about like how Joe Smith just made that name up on the spot and how funny that is because it sounds like something someone may, was forced to make up on the spot. Josie gave me more background information on where he came up with the name. It was during a baby blessing. Some, what? Some Mormons were like, Joseph, we had a baby. Will you please bless it? And he was like, absolutely. Let me wrap up this game of stick pull over here. <laughs> and I would love to. And he goes to their house and he gives them a blessing. Now, um, this is like, you know, Catholics do christening, christening right? Uh, Mormons do baby blessing. Like I blessed uh, Ethan when he was born, you give them a name and a blessing. You enter a name for them in the records of the church. And then you also give them just a blessing. Like, Hey man, we're glad you're here. Welcome to earth. What's up? Um, this, this kid had a name, like his parents already had a name and they tell Joseph to tell like, Hey, all right, when you give him the name, this is the name that we want. And, uh, then, you know, whatever prophetic blessing you want. We we love you. We're happy you're here. Have fun with it. And uh, Joseph held that baby in his hands and says, I give to you a name and a blessing. And the name by which you shall be known in the records of the church is Mahanrai <laughs> Moriankamer. And I imagine at this point, mom and dad's eyes open, probably pop open a little bit. They're just like, what did he, did he, that didn't sound, that didn't sound like Samuel. <laughs> it sounded different. What was that name that he said? And then in the blessing, he says, Mahanrai Moriankamer isn't just uh, a gobbledygook thing I threw together a second ago. It's actually the name of the prophet known as the brother of Jared. Holy shit. And so then that's how it, that became canon. After that kid had to have that name? For the rest of his life, that kid's name is Mahanrai Moriankamer. <laughs> He's not even named after a fictional character. He's named after a fan fiction addition My friends to a call me brother character. of Jared for short. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully they had, if they had another son, they just named him Jared, I would hope. But, uh, can you imagine like your leader just had the ability to change your children's names whenever he felt like it? I bet they regret inviting him over. They absolutely do. They absolutely, his name was supposed to be Henry. And now we have a mon... Mahanrai, is that Moriankamer's just like hyphenated first there name? Is, it's a it's a hyphenated. Jesus. I'm not really familiar with their cultures and practices. I don't know if this that's... kid's never gonna get a keychain that has his fucking name on it. Never, never, because keychains weren't invented for a while still. So, <laughs> no, to be fair, none of his friends got keychains <laughs> with their names on it either. No, there weren't a lot of novelty uh, stores <laughs> at gas stations in 1835. <laughs> that industry hadn't really taken off yet. Oh, fuck off. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I thought you wanted to talk about timeline jumping. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll talk about it. Sometime. Yeah. Crack open another double shot. Let's do this. I think it's been a while since I talked about weird shit. And um, I have been down a rabbit hole of reality trans surfing. Which is like an 800 page textbook. Oh, I, I, you don't have to explain. I'm sure we're all familiar. Right, guys? Reality yeah. trans surfing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty basic. We got it. You know. <laughs> The premise, I don't even understand it well enough to, to, <laughs> not, to not slaughter it, but it's written like Russian or by a Russian and translated to English. 
I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of words. Is there just one book on this topic or is this just I think it was like book eight books and they put them together. So it's like 800 pages is the the one that I have. But I'm saying are, only, are Russians the only people who are talking about this? No one else has written any books except for I think Russians? this one book is the only, like okay. this one author is the only one who has written it. And he had a dream where he was told about it. And I have, there's a bunch of YouTube videos of it. And so I've listened to them all out of order. Uh, who me? One of the best ways to yeah. do it. <laughs> how do you, how do you like to read? I like to read by listening to YouTube out of order. <laughs> I put YouTube on random until I finish War and Peace. It's when it comes to stuff like this, when it comes to like magic or um, like esoteric or any of that stuff, I never want to absorb it in a way that it has been presented, I want to take the stuff in as like seeds and let them let them be planted and then figure it out on my own. So I don't want to listen to it beginning to end. I don't want to read it beginning to end. I just read a little bit or um, listen to a little bit of one of these videos. I can't listen to a lot anyway because it's so many words that I just get like a download nap and I fall asleep. But here's what I here's what I think it's saying. That it has... Describe it. First of all, define a download nap for people that don't know. A download nap is like when you have like a paradigm shift of a new piece of information about the nature of reality or the nature of yourself. And then you get very tired all of a sudden because your mind has to absorb that info. So go to sleep. Yeah. I also get like download sickness. Like I get like, like cold or flu like symptoms and very lethargic. And I'm just processing a bunch of new information. And so while it installs, I was like, so what's the deal with reality transurfing? Don't sell me too hard. I just <laughs> got my license back. And she told me when it's really good, uh, you will you sleep will, yourself. You will. <laughs> That's awakening. <laughs> what's up? Solid callback to one of my jokes. Sorry. Yes. Copyright TM. Anyway, what I think it's saying is that you have multiple realities so it's got that kind of string theory vibe which i've been getting so much so many messages about it's such a common theme in the oa second season of the oa that i wish you would watch i am watching the second season of the oa it's i am i'm gonna have to wait for game of thrones season to subside before i can really get through it but as far as tv series go i've never seen one that i can remember where i hated the first season and loved the second one as much as i do the second season is so much better than the first season of the oa it's very very cool i fully agree i fully agree i did watch the whole first season but the second season is almost like it's made by different people yeah it's like i did there was so much happening in the first season that they they so much going on and like we the vibe is like she had the second season in her head and then wanted the second season to be the story, but needed you to have so much backstory. So much backstory. And so she crammed it all into that first Did season. Did we though? Did I really need to know uh, all about Homer's plan to get his championship <laughs> ring to his son? It's the dumbest fucking thing. Like, there's so much happening. There's like, she she was deaf and now she's not, or she was blind and now she's not blind. They're like trapped in lab rats and there's the, the whatever experiment he's doing, but we're also like homer's like okay listen if you ever get a chance to get to the top side again what you're going to need to do is find a piece of mail (laughs) what if she gets outside she should call the cops he's like no no, hold on that's one way to do it but more important than us getting out of here is that my son get this ring and the only way we could do is like see if you can find some stamps or See if you can find some stamps and smuggle them down here. Uh, also, also you're blind. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, and then and then she's gonna what? Put it in the mailbox? What? She should leave if she gets to the mailbox. She should just go. Also, I do not have the ring. <laughs> what? No, we're not going through this plan, man. No. Like, step one, we do have to locate the ring. <laughs> 
like you can you can give your son the ring after we call the cops <laughs> we'll call the cops we'll get rescued we'll deliver the ring how about that so i couldn't get past that shit oh it well it was worth it i mean it's fine you don't even have to watch season one because season two gives you enough of a recap. When you gave me, I felt like everything I needed. You yeah. filled me in on what I missed and I started yeah. like I did Which with you. you're doing for me was seven seasons of Game of Thrones. Hell yeah. Anyway, so the whole second season without spoiler alert, but you should watch it, is about jumping dimensions. And I have spent so much time recently, as I've shared in in previous podcasts, that reality to me used to feel like a landscape that you just, um, a garden that you added things to and planted seeds and grew things and attracted them to you and whatever, whatever you believe in. But it felt very stationary and uh, in 2016... 17 it started to feel like a moving sidewalk with other moving sidewalks where i could tell by the place i was standing in the current moment what the trajectory was so it's like if i stay on this path right here i know that it's going to work out like this and i've talked before about hopping off of this timeline onto a different timeline and not knowing how i did it and then trying to get back and this is all just something that i sense with senses that aren't in the physical realm and so also could be just an update on my schizophrenia but there has been so much stuff recently in in movies and tv and stuff about dimension jumping and the oa is a lot about dimension jumping and there was a lot of stuff in it that felt like it was a clue for how it works there's also a dimensional jumping reddit that i follow and that i'm reading how is that i don't fully understand it and i don't want to fully like i could go read the sidebar and understand what they're saying but i still just want to absorb a little bit of it while i figure it out in my mind i don't want to read it and just understand it by someone else's definition but they're basically saying it's not this big fancy thing that you think it is one of the themes in the OA is talks about crushing the consciousness or muting the consciousness of the person who you've jumped into. And this reminded me of when I first died and had my near-death experience, I came back and was different. A lot of like the Jessa that I call the Jessa that understands how everything works, the very logical, rational Jessa that sees big picture, can see what what is was happening, is like strong and bold and direct and all of these things that I like about when I'm my best self, that person didn't exist before I died. Like I that was just like a a, a program I downloaded when I died. And I was on this like search to figure out who I was. It's what it felt like when I first came back. I was like, I'm something important. This is something important. I have to figure this out. And I saw a job listing for an intuitive counselor at a place called Worth on Earth Energy Center in Portland. I think it's gone now. But uh, Portland had just started popping up these like new age energy center or whatever, because there was a big awakening kind of thing happening back then before okay. it got co-opted by uh, lambs. And I went in for the job interview because I did make a good intuitive counselor at that point. I'm cracked out on math also, but <laughs> besides that part. And I get to the job interview and then I'm like, listen, I don't really care about this job. I just need you to tell me what the fuck is happening to me. And I describe my near-death experience and then I describe to her everything that was happening. Like, I'm this other person. I can do all of these things. I know all of these things. I didn't know these things. Like, I think it had been like a month at this point. Uh, I sleep different. I eat different. All these things are different about me. And she said, you're a walk-in. And I was like, a what? And she was like, a walk-in. Sometimes. Like a refrigerator? Uh, yes. You are, uh, you are storing perishables. <laughs> she said that some souls leave and some souls come in. Like they do like an exchange. So rather than going through the entire incarnation process, some souls just hop online when another one wants to leave. Convenient. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I feel like I decided to come back. 
you know, I feel like I the, that was the conversation I had there was, do you want to, you can stay if you want, or we have something really cool that you could do was the conversation. And so uh, I felt like if I was a walk-in, I definitely came back with this other version of myself. And I have thought more about that recently when I'm thinking about subpersonalities and how many different voices we have in our heads and how many different reactions we have based on which version of ourself we are that day. Because on one day, you could say something to me, it's not going to bother me at all because I'm this higher version of myself. But if I'm the pain body version of myself, it's going to send me through you know, it's going to send me into some traumatic fucking spiral. So I've thought a lot about how many, how many of us are in us? Um, how many things do we just believe to be facts or, you know, thoughts that we have that we believe to be our like factual belief system when in reality, what if there's just 10 of us inside of our heads and we've never been taught to listen to the different voices and tell them apart. And, uh, anyway, so when the OA happened, uh, or when I watched the OA and they talked about like crushing the consciousness and stepping into other people, that really made me think about the walk-in thing, which I had been thinking about recently so much anyway. And reality transurfing talks about the space of variations, that there is an infinite level infinite number of realities happening, but that there's not a physical version of you on every single one of those. They just exist as like potentialities and you point your consciousness at the one that you want to ride, but that they also overlap each other. And so uh, one of the examples is the wave of fortune and you're going along in life and something great happens, something, some, some strike of luck happens and that that is actually a more favorable timeline running across the timeline that you're on. And so you just get that little wave, but that if you know what you're doing, you can hop onto that wave and ride to and the next. And it. Transurf to the better timeline. Transurf the wave of fortune but um you can do the same thing with less favorable (gasps) timelines which a lot of people do right and so it's like syncing up to the to the they don't call it timelines but syncing up to that frequency i guess of the timeline that is uh bumping up against your own and talks about a lot of other things, talks about pendulums and his description of pendulums took me a while to really figure out. But the thing that I talked about where I said, if you unplugged from things you don't like, like in the government, uh-huh. um, stop feeding things you don't like, stop giving them uh, attention and fighting them, but rather just unplugging from them. And that's kind of the description it gives of pendulums, which is that we spend so much time pushing things we don't like we're actually just making it swing it's something that swings and pulls energy and um go ahead can i ask a completely unrelated question yeah what was that oracle talking about the other day when she was like if i had my pendulum i'd tell you you lived six lives uh well you know i've shown you the pendulum where you swing the it swings yeah in your, yeah i don't know the, a lot of what that lady said was weird word salad so hmm. it is hard to tell none of it felt authentic so huh anyway so how uh you're not actually reading the book you're listening to it and you just listen to it until you take a download nap i there's an eight hour youtube video that i found and so i just i've been listening to it while i sleep i just turn it on and go to sleep mm. and just let it kind of absorb that way i also took like a month off from it i do have the book too kristen uh my childhood friend kristen sent me the book when she first told me about it and then i was just a, like fully jessa irritating when i find something new to be into I talked about reality transurfing till everyone wanted me dead <laughs> and then i just stopped thinking about it and then i just started getting back into it so it is fun because to, of the OA. 
I guess it must have been because of the OA. I just felt like the OA had so many interesting things to think about. Here is, here's what I'm thinking. What if we are upgrading to a higher level of consciousness? What if we are upgrading to a new video game? And what if um, so many of these things are coming into our awareness, but you have to sharpen those skills? Like the, what if there is another set of senses that are not see, touch, taste? You know, like I talk about hearing people's true intentions and stuff but when i say here it's like a feeling right it's a it's a yeah clear audience or whatever um i have thought for the last like year and a half since shit has started to seem reality has started to seem so different to me i have thought um what if we are upgrading? What if we are downloading a new program and we are installing it and then we are learning how to work it out? What if the reason that everyone is so focused on dealing with their trauma right now is because that's like old operating system and you can't move on to the new game without the new operating system? And what if that new reality that we would be existing in is timelines? I've also thought, what if... Damn. Yeah, what if the timelines are just uh, another metaphor for the way that we experience consciousness and reality and that, you know, we, it feels like, like I never understood timelines, dimensions, when people said stuff like that, I never understood it. I never, I never felt it before. And I feel like I feel it now. I can feel what, what, path I'm on right now and where this path heads and I can feel the trajectory and then I have felt so many involuntary jumps where I end up on a different one and was like how the fuck uh it felt like my my career the path that I was on with my career felt definite I knew exactly where it was going and then something would happen and it would feel like the faded photograph from back to the future where he's like looking at that picture of his parents or whatever and he has altered the future and I'd be like I don't know how I got over here and in reality transurfing the little bit that I understand so far is if something negative happened and I don't mean this in like a, a secret dumb way, like uh, manifesting reality. Um, if something, if I crossed paths with a with a less favorable timeline or a timeline headed to a different way and then unknowingly tuned into that one or jumped onto that one because I don't know what I'm doing and then I feel myself on the wrong timeline but haven't yet built the skill set to hop on and off. Mm-hmm. All of these different timelines, which really makes May me want to go back and watch an example. Yeah, uh, after the uh, New York Comedy Fest, uh, like when we felt like we could have ridden like a wave of fortune. Yep. Uh, instead, uh, it's like something negative happened right after that, and like we had been like pumped about this opportunity. We were gonna, we felt like it was gonna open doors. And instead, we focused on something really negative that happened. And then, oh, like a, a while later, it was when you first got this book, when, when it was like, we were realizing like nothing good came of New York Comedy Fest. Like we, had, you know, we weren't expecting it to happen right away, but like the people that we had met, like we were expecting like some sort of seed to be planted at New York Comedy Fest. And we were like, nothing fucking happened. Yeah. Nothing happened. And then you read the thing about the wave of fortune and how you can do that accidentally. And I was like, that feels, I mean, like it all sounds like it's relating to this idea of like your, your mentality and like, you know, people that think positive things get all that kind of shit like it seems related to that and it did feel like oh man we focused on the negative and we got more negative and then you read about it in this uh transurfing way uh and it was uh it was cool anyway let's um let's take one more commercial break and we'll be right back after these messages can i talk about that other tv show Yes. That I've been talking about. So it was a TV show that only lasted one season. Me and Tabitha liked it. And 
it was like a cool concept, a cool premise of a show, and we liked it, but then they never renewed it. I never really thought about that show again until we started watching season two of The OA. So this this show, the premise was like a guy would never go to sleep. Every time he went to sleep, he would just like wake back up in a different reality. And there was a car accident, and he was driving with his wife and son, and there was a car accident. And in one reality, his son died, and he lives with his wife, and they're grieving the loss of their son, and he goes to work as a police detective. And then he comes home and he goes to sleep and he wakes up in a reality in where his wife died in the accident and he and his son are alive and he goes to work as a detective but has like a different partner and stuff and he has to solve murders every week and he uses clues from the different realities to solve them and but it is starring Lucius Malfoy the actor from the OA the bad guy from the OA and Harry Potter as well. But uh, that uh, stars that bad guy, and it is called Awake. It's Fuck called him. Awake. Yeah, and so I started remembering it as as we watched season two, and we started talking about timeline jumping and stuff. And I loved that show. It was so cool. Jessa talks about dreams a lot, right? Yeah. Well, you remember me telling you last year or something there is a series of dreams that i have that have been going on for over a decade it's just it 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 is like an alternate reality in which i never stopped doing meth i just started doing it in moderation and so when i had a job when i worked at longwood gardens that version of me also worked at longwood gardens but like i did meth sometimes I think that I ended up like living with Jason and not getting married to Jason. I think I had one of my kids. Like I still have the, like I go to that reality in my dreams. And I remember telling you, it's just um, weird when I visit it. It feels like the dream goes on all night. Like I leave and go there all night. And since all of this timeline stuff I've been thinking about and I feel like I've seen it somewhere else besides the OA recently I'm starting to think like is that an alternate is that where we go at night I think it's in that um in that reality transurfing book is that that's where you are when you're sleeping that's why we have to sleep which I've always just been like why do we have to fucking sleep that's so inefficient that we spend that much time sleeping unless we're going somewhere such a tweaker thing to say (laughs) why do we what doesn't it seem weird to you that you need sleep every time you said that to me i'm like no uh sleep sounds great i love it no but i get what i get what you mean i get what you mean uh that i my favorite thing of that show and i don't remember it very well but i remember he would see a therapist in both realities right because he's grieving the loss of somebody and other ones who's seeing this therapist and in he tells both of them about what he's been experiencing and both of them have to try to convince him that, that theirs is the correct reality. Wow. You know? And he's like, what? You know, I've got a therapist when I'm asleep too. And he says that that's the right reality. And like, like, well, no, that's a delusion. Like, look at me, like look around you. Like, can't you tell that this is real? And he's like, no, I can't, man. (laughs) This was bad. That's so, and like how much of our time, I just think it's going to be funny when it comes out that if it comes out, that reality is a dream or a video game. Nice or cover there, Jess. We're living on. If, I guess, if, I mean, when it, if it comes out. Um, that we are, that the whole thing is just bullshit. It's a dream. It's not real, whatever. But how much time we spend fighting with other people about what's real and what's right and wrong you know it's just like uh arguing over what the right reality is or the most real reality is just like the guy with the two therapists when in reality it's uh none of it mormon parents and their ex-mormon offspring yeah that's a huge it's a huge debate it's like you were both right you know, because so you're saying you're saying there's, that they live in a reality where God is real and God uh, yeah. communicates through Russell M. Nelson, 
And yeah. we live in a reality where something that the alien said was that that realize means to make real. Realizzare. Me and Josie would have told you. Realizzare in uh, Italian. It's a it's like a false cognate, I guess, maybe. For it looks like realize. Yeah. Uh real realizare. Uh and it you use it about like like you would say your dreams. When someone says you reached uh you reached your dreams, you achieved your dreams, they would say realized. He realized his dream. Like his dream came true. He yeah. realized it. And like you like like you could realize a build a project. Like we have realized this this blueprint. Yeah. Uh means to make to make happen. I guess we do say stuff like I realized my dreams, but then we also say it like I realized the church wasn't true and the implication there is that I figured out something that was already fact. Yeah. When in reality just you made like, it fact. You made it you fact. Created it. You hopped onto a game which I how the uh aliens also said that the Adam and Eve at the beginning, um it wasn't like a f- they ate an apple and got in trouble, but it was they uh, ate of the knowledge of the truth of life and death, whatever the fuck that is right now. I can't think of. They started the game. They were like, all right, well, right now we are going to begin the game in which life and death exist, good and bad exist, male and female exist. And the second we flip the switch, the second we eat this apple, this metaphorical apple, we are asleep. And forget who we are. We go into this amnesia state where we are about to play out this game. And so they realize the the reality. And so when like we realize when you realize Mormonism wasn't real under this premise, it would be the day that you stepped on to a different timeline in which you're playing the guy who who doesn't believe that Mormonism is real. But for your parents Mormonism's real. It's real. It's 100% real for them. They see it in every area of their life. They see evidence of it. Your reality... Just not archaeological. Sorry, I'm yeah. throwing out so many <laughs> sick burns tonight. I'm actually really... Op- I like I, li- I like this a lot. I like this. So I like what if- the John Mulaney joke that we heard today where he's like, oh, Bill Maher's like, ah, who believes in a, a magic sky god? He's like, my mommy. Yeah. <laughs> Stop being mean to my mommy. <laughs> I love, because I, I, I like that interpretation. It lets my parent, it lets me be like really happy for them and really happy for myself. I like that. It is the game that they're playing and the fact that you realize that it wasn't true doesn't, like that's not their realization, but the realization thing. So you created that reality under this premise. You created that reality, not uh, tapped into a reality that was already fact, like hard fact. Um, that was a fucking tangent off of something else. No, that's else okay. That I was that's saying. fine. I tonight we got so many people in Atlanta that came up to us and talked about, and, we, and last night too in Nashville, a lot, a lot of uh, people that were like really touched by our podcast. They were like, "This is important to me," and like, "This is a, is a big deal between me and my significant other." And like, you guys are helping us so much, and uh, I'm like you, and she's like you, and this that like, and it's uh, frankly awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Sometimes it can be uh, overwhelming, I guess, like thinking about like, oh, this was supposed to be funny. I don't know. <laughs> like, But for the most part, it's really fun to come out and meet you guys. And it's really sweet and rewarding for us to meet you and hear your stories. And so thank you. And don't stress so much about meeting us. Some people posted in the group about they were they were just nervous wrecks to meet us and uh jessa literally will not remember you it's uh it's fine uh we also met a therapist who said uh, she loves our podcast and i've wondered in the past how a therapist would feel about the amount of self-exploration and the the kind of conclusions that we've come to and she loved it so yeah, so we're practically certified now. <laughs> we we have Alyssa's approval, and we are on our on our way. Uh, but uh, for real, guys, get your own therapist. It's uh, we can't just keep passing on all our knowledge. Uh, you know, 
so sooner or later you got to get a, grow up, get a healthcare plan, get your own therapist. It'll it'll be good for you. We promise. Um, April twenty seventh, we are going to be in Cedar City, Cedar Utah. City. Please come to that show. And what do we got coming up in May, Jessa? May so far we have Tacoma, Olympia, yeah. Yeah. Portland. Yeah. You will be in Lyle, Washington. Uh-huh. I will be in Salem, Oregon. What's up? I will be at a sex club in Portland, Oregon. Hot dang. We are trying to put together Seattle as well as that, but yeah. I can't find a fucking venue. Well, what if we do that? What if Seattle ends up being the weekend that we're doing Sandpoint? Just an idea. May 31st, we're in Sandpoint, Idaho. And we got to tag some other work along with that, Yeah, we're too. thinking about doing Spokane. If you live in Spokane and you will come to the show and bring your friends, hit us up so that we know... Yep. It uh, wasn't a huge turnout last time, but I think it was a weird night of the week. So we're trying to decide. Work on that. And uh, join our Patreon. We're doing a bunch of Game of Thrones this month. And review us, subscribe to us, tell your friends about us. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a radar friends listen to them talking to Mike. It's a good show. It's three forty five in the morning.